I'm your host, Rob Carbone. This is BD4. I don't know why, but it feels like it's been forever since I've last done an episode. But it's been like four days or something. We skipped the Yankees last time out. We were too busy. Been very busy lately. But yeah, good to be back. Episode 249 of the podcast tonight. 249, we are coming up on the 250. Um, Crazy, man. Crazy. I've been doing this for, I want to say going on, going on three years. Got to double check that. I've uh, been doing the blog a little longer. If you want to check out the blog, go to my website. Um, you know, just go to my link tree. That's where all my socials are. It's where you can find all the platforms for BD4, this podcast, and it's where you can find the blog that I write. Go to my link tree for that, and that's on the page. Or on the screen. Um, if you're watching the podcast on YouTube. And if you're not. You can just go to link. tr.ee Forward slash RJ Carbone. 249 tonight. The Yanks sweep the White Sox. We're going to try and get through this one quickly. Because I'm very tired. And I. You know. Took to last minute to take down the notes and everything and prepare (laughs) as I speak at at, you know hours past midnight so it's technically May 25th Tuesday my buddy's texting me in the middle of the night that's crazy I usually think I'm the only one up amongst my group of friends in the middle of the night but not surprising that my buddy Dan's texting me because he's always up playing 2k in the middle of the night I used to do that with him back in the day god I miss playing PS4 I haven't played, like, I legitimately haven't played a video, like, I haven't sat down and played video games since last summer, and we're almost, I'm technically, I'm on summer break 2021 now. So it's been practically a year since I last actually sat down, almost, I mean, it was like towards the end of the summer where I gave up video games. Not completely, I mean, I'm, I guess, like, once I, once I'm not broke... I can I can afford some shit. I'm gonna try and see what's up with the PS5 and the pricing and everything. But yeah, I, I took a big big break and I'm still currently in taking a break from video games. I used to play way too much, but like it's been a bit, man. I haven't gotten any new games. Last new video game I got was 2K21. So. And yeah, I haven't played since like September, late August, maybe even. But, um, yeah, my buddy who I used to play with all the time just texted me. But, um, the Yankees sweep the Chicago White Sox in an impressive series, which featured triple plays, one triple play, uh, two walk-offs. And, you know, even we didn't, since we didn't discuss the Texas series, uh, Corey Kluber, Threw a no-hitter, which was the coolest thing I've ever seen. 
I've never witnessed one from inning one to inning nine coming from my favorite baseball team. That was the first time I've seen my team throw a no-hitter. Um, obviously, I was alive for the David Cohn perfect game in 1999, but I was, you know, five years old, not even. So, didn't remember, didn't even know it happened. This was cool. And I know, I get it, you know, no-hitters are growing on trees these days with the offense kind of heading towards a dead ball era, at least for now. And, you know, batters are striking out left and right. And I believe there has been six, if you count Mad Bum, maybe seven no-hit performances this year. So it does take something away, but it doesn't make it not not impressive. I mean, it's still... He still pitched a no-hitter, meaning the no-hitter is still the most difficult feat to accomplish as a pitcher. You know, it's still, you know, everything else you have to take into to account too, right? If you're going to try and diminish it, well, shutouts are diminished, quality starts are diminished. It's still the top of the top. So he pitched a no-hitter and I wasn't, pr- I was, you know, I didn't notice he pitched it. Until, like, he was on the five inning. As soon as he completed the fifth inning, I texted my buddy. I'm saying, and I never say it. I'm very superstitious, and I know Michael K gets triggered when you tell him you're a jinx guy. And a lot of people do, but I am. Um, and Michael K was kind of, like, hinting at he was No, he wasn't. He was saying it out loud, and he was saying it to make a point. That's what annoyed me. He was saying it on purpose. He was saying it on purpose, not just because he happened to say it. But he was saying it because he passive-aggressively wanted to tell everybody, hey, look, look at me. I don't believe in jinx. And and I'm, it's like, those people get so pissed off because they truly hate the jinx to a point where they try and sound like they know more than us by being like, oh, you actually think it's going to affect the game, blah, blah, blah. Then this, you know, blah, blah, blah. Just make, like, we know. Like, jinx people, we know that in the very end, we don't affect it. We do it because it's fun. We do it because it makes us feel more comfortable. At least that's how, that's how I look at it. And like by the fifth inning, once I heard he was throwing a no-no, texting my buddy, you know, the eyeballs emoji. And I'm saying he's pitching well. I didn't say he was doing it because jinx. But I started noticing and I, you know, when I notice I get too like, I overthink. And so I get even more superstitious and I keep my arm at the same angle. It was like on my head. I kept the remote in the same spot the entire fucking game. The couch cushions and the blankets in the room were in the same spots. I only got up during commercial breaks and did the same exact thing during commercial breaks, which is go and check my phone, get a drink of water. And I kept doing that every single, um, between innings I'm very superstitious, and so you can thank me for doing all that for the Corey Kluber no-hitter, so you're welcome for that. Um, But that was in Texas, and we won that Texas series. That's over. We go to Chicago, and we sweep the Chicago White Sox. No, I'm sorry. This was at the stadium. We we head back home after that long road trip, and we sweep the Chicago White Sox, who, heading into this series, had the American League's best record. Um, I want to say the third or second uh, best record in Major League Baseball. So that was impressive to see that. You know, the Yanks swept them behind lights out starting pitching. Um, but you had some guys get hot offensively too. 
um, Glaber Torres, who we'll get to a little bit. Um, and we'll touch on you know, Brett Gardner, who's starting to swing the bat a little bit better. Clint Frazier, Miguel Andujar had some moments. Yankees scoring without the home run, right? A lot of their runs were manufactured without the big long ball. Um, even in the one game that they did hit the homer where Ford won deep, that was like a tack on homer with 5 nothing already on the board. Um, so it was good to see them kind of have a balanced approach at the plate and defensively still some sloppiness you know fundamentally you know on the bases too but defensively we had some more errors and you know that's just Yankees baseball <laughs> it's what we do but um overall another series win what the hell was that that just fell off my hat piece of flint um haven't lost the series since mid-April that is the um Tampa Bay series at the stadium that we dropped two of three. So since then we've gone 23 and nine, which equates to a 719 winning percentage, the best in the business during that span. We've got six wins in a row. So it's looking a lot better for the Yankees. We haven't lost them forever a series. So knock on wood, knock on, knock on wood. Um, but yeah, Things are looking better. You know, Britain is nearing his return. They gave an update on him. I think he's due for a few rehab assignments. Stanton is expected back. I think he's only expected to use those 10 days on the DL. And I'm thinking sometime this series, he'll be back. Um, Maybe tomorrow. Or technically tonight. Because as I'm recording and as you're listening, it is a Monday, the May 25th. Severino, they give an update, said he's on track. Don't know the exact, I don't think they have a target date yet. Aaron Hicks, the news there has, you know, it's been out there for a bit. He's done for the year, probably. Great. Don't care. Um, and, um, yeah. With that, we're probably just going to go Gardner for, for a while. It would be nice to see Estevan Florida. I'm not going to lie. I understand he's new to AAA. And he's not exactly been lighting it up down there in the minors. But I, I like, he's, the big thing with me is I want somebody with a ceiling. At least Florida is young. And at least there's some upside there. With Brett Gardner, you know you're getting the plate discipline and some some good defense. I understand that. He's a solid vet. But, like, I feel like you, I would, it's more exciting for Yankees fans if you have a prospect, even if he's not what Yankees fans thought he was four or five years ago when he was on baseball, you know, baseball, uh, MLB pipelines. Was it MLB pipelines top 100? Yeah. He was like one of the top of the list there, but he's young. He's got a ceiling somewhere. You know, I would like to see what he's got. Throw him out there to see what he's got. It's better than fucking throwing Ryan Lamar out there versus, you know, right-handed or left-handed pitching. You know, I would just go, and I know he's a lefty too with Gardner, so you can't exactly platoon them, but he should get some at-bats. If you don't want to go full-on Floreal, Split him with uh, with with fucking Gardner. Even I know they love the lefty thing. I get it, but I would still rather have a left-handed 
Florial than Ryan Lamar batting righty. <laughs> I don't know. He's young. He's got a ceiling. Let's just see what he's got. That's the point of these prospects, right? Throw him out there and see what he's got. If he's bad, you, you pull him and you don't put him back out there and you keep Gardner. And, you know, I know Lamar is actually on the DL right now, but yeah, man, they're so hesitant to call Florial up. Uh, but that's it in terms of like the injuries. Hicks is done for for a while. Uh, I don't know if it's official. I think it is that he's out for the year. Um, and again, Britain returning, Stanton coming back soon, and you know, some update on Severino saying he's coming back or he's on track. So that was that, guys. This is episode two forty nine of the podcast. If you're listening to the podcast, be sure to subscribe. If you're watching the podcast on YouTube, also be sure to subscribe. But you can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor. We are sponsored by Anchor. Best way to make a podcast, go to the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. If you want to find all those platforms for the podcast, where to listen to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis, you can find that. On my link tree, linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone will take you to my link tree that has the links for the podcast, the blog, and my social media outlets. I'm your host, RJ Carbone, in case you didn't know that. Welcome to the show if you're new. Whoops, that was weird. Um, Just broke my chair. And if you're not new, well, welcome back. You know, the Yankees are playing good, and we might as well dive into the series right away again gonna try to keep this one short most likely going to keep it under an hour because i'm tired and it is late um so late that it's early and um when we get back from break we'll get right into this thing and we'll get started all right be right back Yeah, so game one of the series was good. Um, good pitching, really good pitching. Yankees took the two to one victory. You had um, Carlos Rodon, who also threw no hitter this year, versus Yankees Jordan Montgomery, who was coming off a rough outing. But the Yankees win this one two to one. Rodon won six shutout, struck out thirteen Yankees. Um, Jordan Montgomery ended up going seven innings, zero runs, 11 strikeouts. Very impressive outing for Montgomery, you know, uh, considering this was against a club who mashes 
left-handed pitching, Montgomery did a good job. And a lot of people were thinking, should the Yankees skip him this start and promote Davey Garcia? I, you know, I think that was a coward move if they were to do something like that. I liked it, man. He And this was arguably not only his best outing of the year, but maybe his best outing as a major league ball player. I mean, he was ridiculous. You know, he again, 11 strikeouts to no runs in seven innings pitched. Fantastic. And, you know, again, the White Sox, uh, I have a number down here, 23-2 and two versus lefties heading into that game. So, Montgomery showed up. It was a good bounce back after that. You know, his worst outing of the year, three innings, five runs, last time out. And then he comes in here and he dominates a solid-hitting White Sox club. So, I liked him. I liked him. He was working quickly. He um, had a good pitch mix. You know, the curveball was fucking fantastic. Yeah, there's that one sequence, man, whew, where he fucking threw that curve three pitches in a row. Um, forget who it was, too, but he picked up the strikeout. Three straight curveballs. Um, he was also using, you know, the different variances of his fastball. He was cutting it. He was sinking it. And he, you know, threw the four-seamer. So, a good outing for Jordan Montgomery. And the offense, you know, struggled. Eight hits, no walks, versus 15 Ks. And two of six in scoring position to score two runs. But it was enough. He had Torres with the home run to the porch. Um... In the bottom of the seventh to put the first run on the board of the game off of uh, fucking Kopik. And then you had the top of the eighth where the game was tied. Madrigal, the RBI single, you know, that check swing off of Johnny Lasagna, that tied the game at one. Chapman tosses a clean ninth, eventually gets the win when the Yankees walk off in the bottom of the ninth when you have Judge and Geo back to back singles, and then Torres also a single. To right field or to left field? I don't know. He singles the uh, for the walk-off hit. And the Yankees pick up the 2-1 to victory. So, a good first game. And that, at the time, was their fourth win in a row. After taking the final three games in Texas. So, we'll be right back and we'll get to game two. Yankees take the 5-4 win here in Game 2 of the series. Um, you had Garrett Cole versus Cease. Cole won 7 innings. No runs allowed. 3 walks and 7 strikeouts. So, you know, it wasn't dominant Cole. He did not have his best stuff, but still an ace-like outing. And another good rebound from his effort against Texas in game one where he was pounded for his worst outing of the season. So a lot of all three of these starters um in the series had nice bounce backs. 
And Cole's rebound was good, 7-0-3-7. Bottom of the fourth off uh, Cease, Torres gets the two-run double. Odor gets another RBI double. This makes it 3-0 after four. Bottom of the fifth comes, Torres, another big hit. A two-run single, four ribbies in the game, to left field, 5-0 Yankees. You go to the bottom of the six, Mike Ford, like we mentioned, the tack on home run makes it six zip. And then in the bottom of the seventh, Miggy finally gets on the board for a double this year. Um, hits one in the gap, seven, nothing Yankee offense, 11 hits, five walks, 12 K's three for 12 with runners in scoring position. A good win. I don't have much to add again. I'm trying to get through this. I'm tired. I'm sorry if these episodes lately, you know, have been, sporadic again we missed the fucking texas series and this one's not going to have a ton to say it's going to be very short but we will be back as soon as i've been so busy i've been so backed up that i that i've had to fucking delay everything and had to put these episodes out late and we record late and when we record late later than usual i don't have the energy but i promise you you know the next season is ending soon enough you know the all you know Obviously, depending on how far they get in the playoffs. And we'll talk about the Knicks in the next episode. But once the NBA season concludes, we will be back to, you know, the full hour consistently. And we will dive into a lot more than what we're diving into so far. But um, the next Yankees episode should be good, though. As soon as the month of May ends, we'll dive into the report card two months in. So that'll be a nice detailed analyzation. No. Breakdown. Analysis is what I wanted to say. Um, game two, the Yankees won. So let's get to game three. Um, don't even need to go to break. Game three of the series. You had Jamison Tyone versus Dallas Keuchel. Dallas Keuchel. Man. Yankees did not hit him when he was with Houston. But after he left Houston, he kind of become less of a, you know, wasn't the same pitcher he's, he, was, he was. Fuck. And um, they've been hitting him ever since then. Bottom of the first, two-run double, Labor Torres, who but? Two-nothing Yankees. Nobody scores for a while. You get to the bottom of the fifth. The Yanks load the bases with nobody out. And then you have Gio Urshela ground into a double, ground into a double fucking play. And um, one run scores, makes it three-nothing. Not as many runs as you would like the inning, but fucking happened and it is what it is. Um, lost my footing here. Let me see what I've got on the fucking notes. Oh. Um, completely lost. Hold on. Did I miss a page in my notes? Well, this is annoying. Oh. Alright, we're good. Um... Yeah, Tyon ends up going five innings, zero runs, four strikeouts. Um, it's Peralta who, you know, why go to Wandy there and not Chad Green who ended up pitching after him for, you know, a guy like Abreu. And Abreu hits a home run off Peralta in the sixth. Makes it three to two Yankees. Bottom of the sixth, you have Gary obviously scoring on that Tim Anderson throwing error. Four to two. Then the top of the seventh. Yankee bullpen continuing to struggle. Grandal gets the home run. Four to three Yankees. 
Um, Chapman then blows the save in the ninth. His first blown save of the year. His first earned run allowed on the season to Andrew Vaughn. Home run. 4-4. to Tie game. But bottom of the ninth comes. You've got Clint Frazier with the leadoff single. He's still second. DJ gets intentionally walked. And then Tyler Wade with an infield single past the pitcher's mound. That relief pitcher Bummer was his name. He's pulled. Liam Hendricks comes in to face Aaron Judge. And he can't find the zone. Um, he's not close. And he ended up walking in the winning run against Aaron Judge there. And the Yankees win with that walk-off. A walk-off walk. So not the most thrilling way to win. But a win is a win. And the Yankees picked up a series sweep against a tough Chicago White Sox team. Ten hits in the game. Five walks, nine strikeouts, two for 11 with scoring uh, with runners in scoring position. But it was good to see Tyone, you know, with a strong rebound after his performance last time out. And, and just on a disappointing stretch, you know, hasn't had the greatest start to his Yankees career. Um, but it was a good performance. He's still relying very heavily on that fastball, you know. So when his fastball location is not there, he's a conundrum. You know, he's a big problem. And that's a big reason to why he's struggling this year. But he got away with it in this one he, because his fastball was on. You know, his location was there and he was attacking with the high heat. Even hit 96 at a point. And it was working well for him. But we're still... I, I still need to see more. I still need to see a deeper bag from him. He didn't throw... I don't think he threw any change-ups. And um, they showed a stat. I don't know if it was a stat on Yes Network or if it was a stat I saw on Twitter. But... Less than 20% usage on his breaking balls. So the slider and the curveball didn't use them a ton and only got 11, oh no, on the 11 swings off of those pitches, just one of them was a swing and miss. So the stuff wasn't exactly fantastic. And again, it was just relying on that high heat. Um, four strikeouts, some ground balls, a lot of double plays in the series. For them in that Garrett Cole game. But, um, you know, Tyon got, got the job done. Got 15 outs for New York, and that's what we were asking. Five solid innings, and that's fine if we get that from him from here on out. As long as everybody else sustains their pitching. They don't have to go out and toss shutouts, but if, if you know, Kluber can be the number two. If Cole can be the ace, and if fucking uh, Montgomery keeps... Giving you quality starts. And Domingo keeps giving you quality starts. You know. You'll accept five innings, no runs. Six innings, two or three runs from Ty Elmore. Um, But yeah, I did. I had no issue with him just going five. You know, I, I know Yankee pitchers before that were going deeper into games for a stretch. But this is a guy who we know struggles the third time through the order. You know, and uh, so Boone got him out there and he kept the this, this streak alive. And I think it's now 35 innings in a row from Yankee starters um, without allowing a run. So it was an excellent turn through the rotation. And that was the, that has been the reason why we've taken these last two series um, in dominant fashion. 
you know, like three wins against Texas and then two or no three against the White Sox for a six game a six game win streak. Offensively, Glaber Torres is hot. And he's hot. Like he's hot hot. Eight for twelve, eight RBIs in these three games. Good series for him. Ever since not hustling and getting called out for it in the postgame against Atlanta on April 21st, my birthday, he has been hitting. Since then, in 23 games, he's got 18 RBI, or 17 of his 18 RBIs have come in those 23 games since. And he's slashing 345, 866 during that span. Very interesting to me. Some people don't hold that or take that too serious and put a lot of weight on it. I do. You know, to an extent. I feel like you see that. You're in New York. The media and everything. It's like a wake-up call. And I feel like he took that and he wanted to show the Yankees that he's a lot better than what he was to start the year. That he's more of a complete hitter. And Paul O'Neill talks about this all the time. And every time he does, I get so, um, you ever like agree with something so much, but you can't like tell them that you agree because they're on TV that you're like, fuck, I love what he's saying right now. That was me. And Cause every time Paul O'Neill speaks about Glaber or even Gary a lot, I fucking agree with him on a lot of these Yankees. Sometimes I mean, me and Paul O'Neill are on the same wavelength when it comes to a lot of these guys in the lineup. But we, I always say Torres can be a 300 hitter. You know, he could be anywhere from 275 to 300 as long as he keeps that steady approach at the plate and stops trying to pull everything off and goes the other way, right? Takes that inside pitch and goes the other way with it or spits on the pitches outside of the zone. He's a smart hitter when he's locked in. And right now he's locked in. His plate coverage looks a lot better. He's got a good plate coverage right now. It's been great. He's putting the ball in play, a clean approach. Going the other way some. He looks good. On the year, he's got the numbers up to a decent look. 282. 729. Batting average OPS line. And then you've got the 109 OPS plus. It's it's finally above league average. And he's just one power surge away from getting those power numbers back to respectability. Right? So the batting average has reached Glaber Torres-esque batting average. The... On base is where you want it to be. It's in the 360s. The RBI numbers are there right now. It's just, it's the home runs and the slugging percentage, right? You start hitting more extra base hits. The doubles, the homers, that's going to up your OPS. So, one power surge away from looking at his numbers and his line and saying, okay, that's very strong. That's the star player that we want to see. So it's good to see that he's been improving a lot over these last several weeks. Um, and obviously since he's come off the DL, he's been really hot. Um, and the defense looks good too. He's not a problem right now. He's a positive lately defensively. He's not really doing anything that makes you cringe and want to look away. He's been fine defensively at shortstop. So that's a plus. Aaron Judge is still producing. Listen, he's having a hell of a year. He had the rough start, but he's having a hell of a year right now. Um, lately, he's putting together great at-bats. He's not homering. 
he's not homering in every other game like he was during that stretch, but he's still having a good year, man. And he's still going through a good stretch. He's de-aging a lot lately. Um, you know, I guess they just want to get him off his feet and, you know, we were on that stretch, you know, a certain amount of days without an off day, but he's been good. He has been good. He has, let's see, I've got, yeah, he had two, two hit games this series and he had, he's currently riding a seven game hit streak, but if you date it back to his last 13 contests, he's got a, a 457 batting average and a 1,341 OPS um, with five homers, eight RBIs, and seven walks during the span. And on the year, the numbers are up to superstar level. He's hitting 308 for the Yankees. He's got a 407 on base percentage. He's got a 571 slugging percentage. And because of those two stats, he's got a 977 OPS. 12 home runs. 26 RBIs in 44 games. He's also striking out at a career low 25% rate. 26% rate. He looks good. He looks good. And again, the walk-off walk in Game 3 was nice to see. So, Glaber Torres, Aaron Judge, Clint Frazier. He had a 3-hit game in Game 3. You know, after sitting with neck stuff, they call it. Or what they say, a neck a neck thing. <laughs> They're so fucking weird with the way they label their injuries. Um, Miggy Andohar, he did cool off in game three, but he was hitting well before then. He's making more solid contact. And in left field, he looks, you know, average. Making routine plays. Brett Gardner, before the 0 for 4 on um, Saturday or Sunday. He was 381, 951 average and OPS in his previous six. So guys are starting to hit more, and hopefully this offense kind of gets back to where they need to be at the top of the charts. But it's a weird year because the pitching has been so spectacular this time around. And I will take that. You know, I will take that. So, I again, I, I kind of rushed through this one. I don't have much to say. And with what we had to say, I kind of rushed through it. But... Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It's about to be really late in the morning, so I need to get some sleep. Um, but again, as you are listening to this, and as I'm recording, it is Tuesday, May 25th. So, yeah. Thank you for tuning in to episode 241, oh, I'm sorry, 249 of BD4. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. And let's get to break. When we get back, we'll get to the NYY, NYK question of the day. Be right back. So last time out in episode 248, obviously we were talking Knicks. The question of the day, the NYY NYK question of the day to you guys. Which Nick was named All-NBA first team 
the most times in franchise history? That was the question of the day for you in 248. Which Nick was named All-NBA First Team the most times in franchise history? The answer to that question, Walt Clyde Frazier was named All-NBA First Team the most in franchise history. This episode, 249, our NYYNYK question of the day. How many Yankees hit at least 20 home runs in the year 1961? Alright, simple. How many Yankees hit at least 20 home runs in the year 1961? So message me the answer on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or just comment the answer on one of those platforms once I publish the promo and the link to this podcast. <clears throat> and I think that's all I've got. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Again, I am your host, RJ Carbone. If you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, be sure to do that right now. We do Knicks episodes after every two games, and that same pattern will remain through the playoffs. We'll record after every two playoff games. So after game two, we'll have a Knicks episode for 250. And then, um, and that was a fucking rough game. We have a lot to discuss on that. So the Knicks episode 250 will be out Wednesday night. We'll start recording that, and we'll put it out by Thursday morning. Um, the next Yankees episode, 251, will obviously be after this Toronto series. That actually might be 250. I don't know. Either the Yankees or Knicks will be 250, but those are the next two episodes where we'll be discussing um, Yankees and the Jays, and then we'll be discussing the Knicks and the Hawks after game two. So, In whatever order, i got to see when I'm available to put those out and record them, so... Hope you guys enjoyed this episode, though. This was 249 Talk Yankees. Again, the Yanks sweep the White Sox. And this is all I've got for this one, guys. Thanks so much. I'll see you next time. Again, this is your host, RJ Carbone. Episode 249 of the podcast, BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees index analysis. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, to the blog, we recap every Yankees game and every Knicks game. And if you haven't yet followed me on social media, you can follow me on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Read the blog, listen and watch the podcast, all that stuff on my link tree, linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone takes you all. What the fuck am I saying? It takes you to where you need to be to get all my information. That's what I want to do. All right, guys. That's it. We'll see you next time.